Hello, and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Maroos, owner and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. Small businesses are becoming big business in banking, and commercial businesses are completely underserved in the marketplace. Unfortunately, most of these organizations have trouble getting fast and flexible financing. Founded in 2013, Oak North is a fintech bank that focuses on making loans to small and medium-sized businesses in the UK. Beyond launching a neobank, Oak North has also been credited with building lending technology for other financial institutions that delivers credit solutions in up to 10 times faster than traditional models. We are fortunate to have Jackson Hall, CEO of Oak North, on the show today. He will discuss the origin of Oak North and how this fintech has grown to be one of the most valuable neobanks in the world. I would hazard a guess that Oak North is a relatively unknown entity for most of my North American listeners. As a quick overview, this UK-based organization has focused on meeting a significant market need for a very relatively very narrow segment, creating and selling high proprietary te- technology recruiting a high-tier team with future-focused founders, and most importantly, they're profitable. The question becomes, what is their recipe for success, and what is next for this unicorn neobank? As I mentioned, I'm joined today by Jackson Hull, CEO of Oak North out of the UK. Welcome to the show, Jackson. You know, before we dive into the business model of Oak North, could you provide a brief history of the company and what sets Oak North apart from your competitors and other neobanks? Yeah, Jim, and thanks, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, I guess the, the brief history of Oak North starts um, with the founders, Rishi Kosla, Joel Perlman. They founded a company uh, in the mid noughties 2005, in fact, um, called Copal Partners. And um, this was a, um, a research company uh, doing financial research for, for banks. Um, and while they were growing that business, they were approaching high street banks looking for um, you know, a, a good uh, debt financing to help grow, grow this business. But they kept confronting the computer says no <laughs> response. And, and what they were finding, maybe not then, but on reflection was that the the deal size, you know, the sort of the sort of investment they needed um, um, in terms of loans was was not enough for for the bank uh, to focus on them, um, and and it was quite frustrating, obviously, and left them left the left left the bit of chip on their shoulder, as as it were. Um, they eventually sold sold this business um, after growing it to about three thousand employees to Moody's in in twenty fourteen, and that memory stuck with them. Um, so they got the first. Um, uh, banking charter in about 150 years in the UK, um, and went about building a bank that could cater to what we what we now call the missing middle, and these are growing businesses, uh, revenues typically a million up to 100 million dollars, who, um, who who are in need of of growth capital um, from from banks, but haven't been able to be served, at least in the last couple of decades, by by traditional commercial banks. Um, so that's the mission that the that the that Oak North has has been on. Um, in, in that time, uh, lent about nine and a half billion dollars um, to neighborhood businesses. These are businesses that not ju- don't just uh, uh, you know uh, help our neighborhoods, but also um, you know grow employment. Um, and really, these are the businesses that you can associate with with just that your neighborhood. Um, so it's a really really great mission that we that we have been on. And because of the way we do things, um, the, 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 the inspiration of the founders to look at 
um, uh, each of these businesses um, with it with a data lens. Really, really look at what makes uh, these businesses tick, what drives businesses uh, across many, many subsectors. Um, the results are are very, very good um, to date. Uh, the company has not um, has not had a, um, a write off. Um, we've had several defaults. We'll probably have a write off this year, but in the history of seven seven years of the, of the bank, um, it's quite a feat, um, and we owe that to this style of of, of analysis and ultimately a, um, a real keen focus on monitoring and working with clients after the loan has been made. So that's the quick and dirty history. You know, it's interesting. We, we look at the growth of fintechs and almost every fintech is an organization that's trying to serve a segment that's been underserved by traditional banking. Now, it's not like these segments just appeared out of nowhere. These segments have always existed. But I think it's because financial institutions have two dynamics that work against them in serving these micro segments, and they're not really all micro. Well, one is, the focus on risk avoidance as a fo- as opposed to risk monitoring or or trying to trying to manage risk as opposed to avoid it completely and secondly the slowness at pickup on the use of data and analytics to analyze business opportunities and i i think oak north is a great opportunity or a great example of an organization that said okay number one there's a missing link here in that Small businesses have become less and less served, especially since 2008 when there was the recession. And organizations said, you know what, rather than take that risk, we're going to avoid them. In addition, they've not taken up the, the, the other side, which said, if I knew more about them, I may give them a loan. And so can you discuss a little bit about why this market not only is such, so big that you can be a focus for a major financial institution, but also on the needs of these organizations. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's a great insight, um, Jim. The the, um, the 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 reality is that large banks don't have internally analytical capabilities or access to data to be able to understand how how these businesses work. And um, and and we look at that at Oak North, and what we try to try to um, try to help other other customers, other commercial banks with is instead of talking about all the the why not? <laughs> why can't we loan? Right? What what is our risk threshold? It's actually to say, what are the ways we can find the path to yes by learning more about each business? Right? And and key to Oak North's success, the banking side or financing product, right, has been the ability to find really great high margin deals, uh, right, with 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 underserved um, businesses, businesses that are ripe for for these types of loans. The trick, of course, back to analytical and data capabilities is. You got to build that muscle, and you have to be able to think about how can I get a quick decision? How can I improve the experience of, of um, uh, through origination? Right? Um, the average, the just let me do a quick aside. The average loan application takes forty days in the USA to come back with a yes or a no, and as you can guess, it's more often a no than a yes. Right? So we're looking to do this instantly, right? Through through a, a, our, our credit intelligence suite of software. That, bring, that brings to bear all of that data and the power of analytics to give you really, really clear signals about how a business performs and gets at what makes them unique. Um, we, we happen to split the world into 273 subsectors of, of, of the economy. Now, that's a, a broad, what we call CNI um, um, portfolio view, if you, if you think about it in that way. And each of those subsectors has different 
drivers, things that make those businesses tick. And through analytics and machine learning and lots and lots of data, um, you know, we're able to provide a forward-looking view of what a growing business is going to look like in 12 and 24 and 36 months, rather than the current state of play, right, in commercial lending, which is what's my spreadsheet say about the past performance, right? It, seem, it, seems, it seems strange. This is a growing business. If they're growing 20% year on year, next year, this time, they're going to be 40% larger, right? It's like you, you, you got to be looking forward, which is, which is really what our platform is good at, at providing uh, the, commercial, the commercial bank. When you look at a business way down in you know, one of these granular subsectors, because it's all about understanding the, the nuances of each of those, uh, each of those sectors um, to be able to come up with a really, really good projection looking forward. Well, it's interesting. Your organization is part of the building of your organization, created some really innovative platform of this platform as a service technology that not only made your business better, but really has given you a new set of business model or an expansion of your business model to sell this technology to both fintech and traditional financial institutions globally. Can you talk to a little bit about this software, but even more importantly, how this outgrowth of this technology is really working to expand your marketplace beyond simply giving loans to small businesses. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that is, that's, that's a good summary. I think I would only add that really the, the, the vision was always to change the, the globally, uh, you know, the landscape of commercial, commercial lending and get money into the hands of worthy, worthy entrepreneurs. Um, so in many ways, the, the science that went into building the first financing product that Oak North Bank in the UK um, sells um, was, was, was an easy transition to say, actually, this, this should be codified, literally, right, in code. Um, and we should sell this and license it to other clients because that gives us a 10x um, um, approach to our mission, right? We, much more leverage by enabling banks that already have the capital, that already have relationships, right? To, to lend faster, lend smarter, and lend more to, to this missing middle. So it really was an extension of that. And, and what we did was um, maybe just take a half step back, Jim. You know, you talked earlier about, hey, it's the, pace of, the pace of change is so slow. <laughs> and uh, I think that's right. Although if you look back at, like, say, the last 10 years, there's been pretty good, good pickup of maybe the, fir- the sort of the first order systems in a, in a commercial bank. Loan origination systems, for example, have come online and have had good adoption. Uh, core banking systems have been kind of upgraded. But what happens in between has not really changed, right? Lots of spreadsheets, lots of lots of lots of PowerPoints, right? And and that's where things are starting to break down. So we we see this as coming into that space, right? And being able to make things more efficient through our software platform. So we 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 today we break our, our platform into four four key components. The first one uh, we call um, portfolio insights. Think of this as sort of a, an inch an inch deep mile wide view of your your portfolio right think of a heat map what where should i be watching out right if i look at my whole loan book what what sectors and which borrowers actually are most susceptible to um, a transition climate risk for example or a recession or another pandemic for example right and by 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 inverse, where are my opportunities? Where am I? Where do I have really good good margins? Right, <laughs> and and looking forward, remember it's all about forward looking. Where are those opportunities going to emerge? Um, you know, based on scenarios that I can that I can play with um, in 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 the platform. So all about the forward look. So then we think about like the deal structures, 
and we have a credit analysis module. And this is all about getting those faster decisions by bringing lots of data together. So this is a forward-looking forecast based on what we know about makes businesses tick in a given sector, meshed with the data provided by a customer about their borrower's performance, right? What's their revenues like? What's their cost like? What's the shape of that business, essentially? And we do that by applying a few lenses, a, a view of the sector, how's the sector performing, and what does it look like it's going to do over, over the coming quarters and years? What about peers? How does this business perform relative to businesses like it? So we've, again, sitting, sitting on top of lots of data. We have very, very many examples. And using machine learning, we can, we can predict how businesses like this one are going to, going to perform. So then once you uh, sort of loan, now it's back into monitoring, Jim. You mentioned, you know, this, this, this whatever, this ignorance around not wanting to monitor, which makes a lot of sense, right? It's like a risk continuum in many ways. And uh, our monitoring tool um, allows banks to actively monitor those loans. We look for early warning indicators, and importantly, this is back to your question about what makes us a bit different than our competition. Um, hard, hard to find some, a, true, a true competitor from us, but in this instance, these are early warning indicators that we have learned are, are indications that a deal could be getting in trouble, maybe not this month, maybe in six months' time. And in fact, these are the indicators that are key to salvaging deals, right? The reason we've had defaults but no write-offs is because we catch them earlier, uh, you know, using our software. Um, than, than a commercial bank, which may only catch them when there's a breach of a covenant, which is way too late. <laughs> right. right. So right. we're able to restructure and work with them. And then the last component, which we're, we're super excited about, and we talked, we'll talk a bit about, I think, is climate impact framework. So think of this as that, that basis that we just talked about of, of looking at your, your whole portfolio, diving deep into a particular deal, and then monitoring across time. Now apply a lens of climate risk. Right, really, really important for 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 all the reasons we we know. It's a it's it's a human it's a humanitarian risk, right? Human, humanity risk, right? Um, existential right. risk. But so many businesses will be impacted both directly and indirectly from from climate change policy and actually just the actual physical changes in our climate. So we're really really excited about about that that part of our software as well. So that that's what we offer in 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 our credit intelligence suite. Yeah, and and so question when you're selling your software to a traditional financial institution. Do you find them normally buying it more because of your risk components of it, the, the, the way you monitor risk, manage risk, assess risk on an ongoing basis? Or do some of them even look at it from an opportunity standpoint on how, because some of, some of your model is going, you know, the beginning of your organization was going to people that weren't getting lending in the past. Yeah, right. And I find that, Organizations still, traditional financial institutions, continue to look at the risk element saying, if you can give me software that can help me monitor and manage risk over time, man, I'm going to buy it. And yeah. yet they kind of miss the other side of that, which is the opportunity expansion by looking at additional credit risk um, tools that allow you to go deeper in a, in a file to be able to offer that. How do you see it? I, I know you sold, sold yeah. the software to some companies in the U.S., what, which, what really sells them? Is it the risk side or is it the opportunity side? Yeah, it's it's um, I'll, 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 it's 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 a uh, it's an easy answer to say both, but I'll, I'll explain why. Um, it comes back to what we offer is a forward-looking view, right? So so it's that depth of understanding to 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 satisfy their risk requirements instantly, rather than taking a week of research and another week of analysis to produce. A risk, a risk score in, on, on their side. 
they can get that instantly. It's, it's the depth of the file that's instantly available. But then it really, back to opportunity, whether you're talking about a discrete deal or looking at planning, portfolio planning, right? You, you're, you, you, you can use our forward-looking views, right? To really get a good perspective on, on your risk in the, in the quarters ahead, right? So think it, we, we, we like to, we hear a lot, um, you know, from in particular our U.S. customers um, about uh, opportunities missed, right? And, and when you're looking backward in the rearview mirror, you, you don't know which way a particular sector is going to turn, right? But we can give you an indication because of our forward-looking view, because of the health and depth of our data sets and our data science and analytics, we can tell you which way the wind is blowing in a given, a, a given sector, for example. So, right now, some of those are obvious, you know, let's not invest in oil and gas, right? Those are things obvious and human, humanity can do that. But there are, other, there are other factors. Think about just the changes in a pandemic. We saw, for example, um, uh, you know, outdoor activities like golf courses, right? They were right. really different, yep. um, really different economics, but are really well positioned for, for pandemic activities, right? Humanity went through a major shock. We, we didn't have that awareness. But if we think about a world where pandemics may come back, right, those sorts of activities are going to probably be better off than, say, bowling alleys, right? right? Or, or right? right? But a traditional commercial bank would say, that's, that's leisure and it's too risky. We're out of it. The whole thing is leisure. It's it's this big block of an industry called leisure. Whereas our 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 data, the analytical packages on top of it, and the way we classify our sectors will have the golf course, uh, the golf course and the bowling alley, fundamentally separate forward-looking views based on based on the granularity that we can get to in in a portfolio. So so it, yeah, it, it really is all about the forward-looking view, which yeah. lets you deepen the risk view, but also think about where where to go. Where should you be in two to three years time? Yeah, that's what that's what they come for. How have you determined where to focus your efforts? But more importantly, what types of businesses and accounts have you been most interested in? And what have really been surprises coming out of the pandemic? You mentioned golf courses, but you know those, mm-hmm. that that flow is an ebb and flow based on the marketplace. But you you look at you know you've talked about um, the global uh, with regards to the environment, things of this nature. Yeah. What are some of the areas that your organization is Oak North, not your your um, other organization you sold the model to? What what have really been your focus as an organization? I, well, I think look at the beginning of the pandemic. It was all about. It, it, there was a there was a shock and a fear, right, about the risk of, uh, in particular, leisure or hospitality in particular being being affected. I think one surprise we saw there was the difference between European and UK and US hospitality businesses. I'll, I'll include restaurants in that for a second. And there were just wildly different approaches to how those businesses were supported uh, from a government perspective. So it was really easier, I would say, easy to model, um, right, uh, through data, uh, the health of restaurants in, in the UK, even during a lockdown, right, and a shutdown, right? Whereas in the US, it wasn't clear exactly how, how those restaurants were going to be supported, if at all. Um, so that was, so the regional differences, I think, were, were quite a surprise. And maybe that you could chalk that up to supply-side shocks globally will have wildly different responses um, from, from regulators. Um, I think where, where we see now this focus on climate Maybe, maybe if I'm, uh, you know, just being being fair to 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 banks, uh, climate was was always on the agenda, but COVID sort of sidetracked it, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And I think we're now seeing a resurgence and saying, "Wow, what did we learn coming off the backs of a pandemic? We better get serious about climate, right? Um, and 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 what what 
how are we looking not just at our own portfolios, but our own businesses? Are we running sustainable businesses, right? Are we lending to sustainable businesses? What, where are those, those, those sectors, um, I mentioned oil and gas, right, uh, in our portfolios that are subject to, um, to transformation because of, uh, because of either policy regulation or uh, maybe harder to grasp, but something we model day in and day out is uh, demographics changes and preferences and consumer, consumer behavior. Right. These are things that um, are, are really top of mind for our, for our customers in, in the USA um, and also in Europe. Your organization has found an answer to two primary challenges that most fintech firms haven't been able to answer, which is profitability and scale. How do you continue to build momentum in the marketplace? How, how do you take advantage of what has worked for you in the past to continue to grow and continue to generate a profit when basically most fintech firms haven't mastered either one. Yeah, I think I think. Um, look, the short answer is st- stick to stick to our values, right? Um, you know, we 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 have a we have a way of building, of collaborating internally, of working, um, you know, day in and day out to serve serve the mission of the company, um, and and out of that spring you know, different ways of working. You know, one one risk to, to scale, Jim, in a, in a fintech is you just get big. You get a lot of people, you know, process, process takes over <laughs> and you don't yeah. feel like a like a startup any longer, right? And and that's, that's something we watch day in and day out, right? And I think that's probably the first answer. It's, it's hard, it's hard. And it takes a lot of experience, a lot of sort of leadership to be able to communicate that to the workforce that we are, you know, we're, we're here on a mission and we're trying to drive increasing scale. Um, I think in terms of profitability, right, th- this is the this is the acorn, you know, at the center of it all is really robust and rigid analytical approach to to underwriting deals in our financial product, but also to providing that that analytical service to our software customers. Right. And as long as we continue to invest in that area, we know that we'll continue to sort of outpace in any other alternative uh, that, that our customers would have, whether they're our borrowers for the financial product or our customers who are licensing our, our software product. In a way, while you've diversified your, your business model quite a bit, and you've also, because of the way you look at and analyze small businesses, the world is your oyster. Virtually any business can be a client of yours. The reality is you're really focused on focus as well. I mean, it, yeah. it, while it looks like you can go after anything with the right model, there's still a very a very strong monitoring of focus of what your business is, isn't it? So it's, it's a balancing act a little bit. It is, and focus focus is both an enabler and a killer of of, of startups, right? So we're, we're really focused on owning that portion of, call it the, the commercial bank operating system, right? That is about underri- analyzing and monitoring of, of loans, yeah. That, that's where we want to live. And back to focus, we, we constrain our target customers, in fact, right? We look for loan books of a particular size and we look for loan books that um, actually we, we're using the term small business here has a different definition in every country, by the way. Right. But it's we're, we're actually not today focused on 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 SMB lending, right? Or, or SMB um, banks, right? Banks that do SMB lending. So businesses less than a million in revenue, right? Mom and pops. That's actually not a, not a focus area for us. Um, maybe we'll get there, but we know that we got to stay focused because if we try to be all things to all people, that will that's a that can be a death knell. Um, so right. it's a very good point, Jim. So we're focused on the missing middle today, mostly in the USA, although our European clients are obviously important to us. And focus is really, really, really key. 
as an established uh, fintech and you have a very strong track record, and you referenced the people aspect of everything, of everything you're doing, how do you retain that challenger mindset that got Oak North to where it is today? How do you keep that innovative spirit, but most importantly, that challenger mindset? We're starting to see some fintech firms that are already starting to more look, look more like legacy financials yeah. than they are looking yeah. like fintechs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's hard. It's hard, and and it goes it goes back to the founding values and and reiterating every single every single day uh, with our employees what our values are and 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 with with the mission and focus we have values for example uh, like zero base right where we 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 have strong I like to say we have strong conviction for a week right <laughs> but yeah, then we look right. back and we go are we doing the right thing by our customer are we doing the right thing for our commercial objectives are we doing the right thing for our employees. And uh, just because we were doing it last week doesn't mean we have to continue. It doesn't mean we shouldn't change, right? So trying to, you know, atomize that and make that a part of our DNA is something as leaders we have to do day in, day in and day out. Um, I think also it, the, the, the momentum that this business has um, is really kept up by, uh, by, by the quality and caliber of people that we hire. We, we're, we're, we, we can be accused of having a very tough hiring um, process, right? Um, it's it's fun, but it's just difficult, right? In terms of you know getting getting to a conclusion to an offer to to join, um, and that that's important because you have to you have to really make sure that you're 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 hiring people who are are driven by the mission that Oak North has, and you know will be successful in in whatever role that we're bringing them in. So, so it's interesting. Before we take a break, I want to recap some things for for my audience, and and not to get too. I'm hoping that people can see beyond the business that you do and and look more at the way you do business. Uh, number mm -hmm. one, you're based on data analytics. The foundation is data analytics. Secondly, it's a manage it's managing risk, not avoiding risk, and that's such a big, huge deal right now. A focus on people. You just mentioned it, to focus on hiring the right people, but then keeping them in the right mindset to allow you to grow the business further. To look at marketplace opportunities, if you have, for instance, software that works well for you, how can you then franchise it, for lack of a better word, out to others so that you can actually expand the, the risk model and, and take less risk going forward? And then most importantly, focus. Um, it's interesting that when I, I did research on Oak North, while it looked like they were initially they were very focused on the the medium sized businesses and and where their beginning was, they've expanded, but still kept a very narrow focus on the what they on what they're doing in their business. So the way you're doing it, who you who you target may differ, but it's how you're doing the business that keeps your focus. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Microsoft. See how Microsoft can help unlock new opportunities at speed and scale through innovative business processes, delivering differentiated customer experiences across channels, innovating new products and services, and redefining new ways of thinking. Find out more at Microsoft.com backslash financial services. Many believe that a challenge may be on the horizon with regard to credit-focused fintechs as interest rates rise. How did the pandemic impact your business and what is Oak North doing to prepare for a business model that may be radically different if interest rates rise and the marketplace maybe has potential defaults and even slower loan demand? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very, good, very good question. I think you can almost generalize that into what's the next big challenge <laughs> uh, in the financial markets. I think 
Um, I, I think I already mentioned the track record that the financing product um, offered by Oak, Oak North Bank has um, in, in terms of its resilience. Um, and our plan is to continue and even deepen our analytical approach to monitoring to, to reduce any potential impact as we come out of the out of the COVID pandemic. And I think the question about rising interest rates is a great one. You know, it, it, it the um, anytime there's uncertainty ahead, um, an analytics platform that gives you a forward looking view, right, um, that, that you're able to tune across different scenarios, different interest rate scenarios, for example, right, can bring can bring lots of good insight and lots of good foresight, really, into into our customers, um, you know, future risk view, right, and make really, really critical decisions across across the time horizons of quarters, years, uh, you know, how do they need to rebalance their portfolio in light of, um, you know, an interest rate rise, for example. So I guess it's a long way of saying when there's volatility or really uncertainty ahead, that's actually when our software is is most important and valuable <laughs> to to our to our customers. If we were if we were, you know, uh, at or near the peak of a credit cycle, it's, it's not as it's not as not as enticing, frankly, right? Um, there's there's not as much of a need for for a tool like ours. So again, that forward-looking view and the importance of being able to look ahead at a very granular level, uh, you know, to to predict across various scenarios how a business or a sector is going to perform is really where we shine. So I think actually, whether it's high interest rates or a recession or you know a localized or regional recession, these are these are things that um, our, our platform can be really really good. At helping our customers figure out, you know, the, what are tough decisions, uh, you know, in the months and years ahead. Well, it's interesting because traditional financial institutions often get into a postmortem mold, mold where they look at what went wrong. You're really doing a pre-mortem, um, where yeah. you're really saying, what are the different ways that this thing could blow up, and how do we avoid that going forward? Don't you? That's right. Look, in in a in a traditional sense, commercial banks would have an annual credit um, credit review cycle, right? And they'd look at all their deals, including the ones that busted. And you're right, they would sit down as, as, as a credit team and say, here's what went wrong and here's what we can learn going forward. We like to think that actually our, our platform or software is giving you a review every minute of the day, right? And it's, and it's bringing to the fold, not just issues that are happening today. I mentioned our early warning indicators in our monitoring um, platform, but also forward-looking indicators. You know, is, is there trouble on the horizon in this sector or this region, right, um, across a number of scenarios that they can also, you know, tune? So, yeah, it's it's changing that mindset of let's look backward and do a postmortem. And yeah, let's do a premortem. When what are the conditions under which this business will be in trouble? And let's then assess whether or not those conditions are likely, unlikely, how likely they are. Right. And have that bring to life instantly through software and obviously through our, our rich data and analytics. So yeah, it's 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 a great way to describe it, Jim. Well, what's interesting too is your data analytics side also, as opposed to saying I'm going to get rid of this uh, customer, can actually work towards helping them in their growth prospects. If you know more about them than them, maybe even know about themselves than the risk in the future. Exactly right. Now, in our financing product, working day in and day out with our borrowers for the last the last seven years, there have been you know, many, many instances of that very thing where we've had borrowers come to us and say, thank you for flagging what could be a cash flow problem in, in a couple of a couple of months time. 
Um, we had a we had a, a hospitality business that wasn't aware that there was a large construction project, multi-year construction project, about to kick off right next door. And we through our through our own monitoring, we we it, we flagged it and we and we told them about it. And it um, you know it it they were able to minimize the impact. Um, I think they rearranged their entrances, that kind of thing. Like these these stories abound, and it's all about you know bringing that to life both internally, but also like realizing you're right that. A deal is not lost, right? Businesses and economies run into trouble. You just got to be conscious and working as a partner with 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 your with with your borrowers, whether that's our own borrowers or our customers' borrowers on the other side. Is there a technology play here for your customers as well? I mean, I know you sell to financial institutions, but it sounds like you're doing better analytics on your customers than your customers can do for themselves, and this becomes a win-win. I mean, if you had some kind of software that you could actually provide to your clients on the front side that said this helps to analyze your business and that would help your business stay you know uh make it so your credits go better as well yeah i mean one thing that's quite interesting it you know think about these the 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 thing about being a a a mid-sized business is you're very rarely able to find a, a a comparable it's really hard right like it's like size space operating in the same location like it's really hard to find it's not like the global you know large corporates so so what's been really useful feeding back to our borrowers is how do they perform relative to other businesses like them? Like a sense check, right? How are yep. you doing, right? Yep. You know, is your debt, are your debt ratios good? Are they bad? Are they okay? Are they right on target from what we've seen, right? And our software, our platform produces those those results. So we haven't, we haven't today offered that up as a software solution, but we do offer that as a, as a, um, I guess, as, as information to our right. relationship managers. And we know that that's important to our clients on the software side as well, right? It's, um, you know, gone are the days where, where as a regional uh, relationship manager, you got nothing to talk about with a borrower. Now you got something to talk about, right? Right. You can say, hey, here's what we're seeing on the, on, uh, through, through, our, through our research, right? You know, the, your, your sector looks good, right? Um, your, your, your nearest competitor, maybe we loan to them. Maybe we can just, you know, find that in our, in our data. Here's how they're performing, right? And, and it's kind of like, you know, as an owner, an operator of a, of a mid-sized business, that's really, really valuable information that they can't get anywhere else. Well, it becomes a win-win, too, because obviously helping them helps you. It keeps your your relationship intact. So, Completely. You know, yeah. in the December of last year, uh, you acquired a small business, uh, a firm that served the small business marketplace. How important strategically are these type of acquisitions? And do you see this as being a part of your future growth? Yeah, I, look, I, we would call it inorganic growth, um, you know, to, which complements our, our organic growth in, uh, you know, as we scale. Um, I, they're, they're, they're important. They really are. And we, when we look at, you're referring to the Fluidly business, which is yeah. um, just public, public knowledge. But the, uh, the, we look for a few really critical components. And probably the first off is, do we have a shared mission? And and fluidly, fluidly's mission is spot on, you know, dead center, dead center of our own, right? It's by providing open access and better access to financial information from from small and medium sized businesses, getting better access to capital, better access to loans. So the pairing was obvious in our financing side of the business, right? Right. Which is that gives us better, better, even better perspective on on uh, on, on small and medium businesses. It also gets us dipping our toe into small businesses, like we talked about. Um, but on the software side, it also gives us like a robust understanding of how to process uh, and and provide analytical outputs for that data. Right? This is this is a data set of small businesses that we that we haven't catered to. We've really focused on the on the mid mid sized businesses, right. and you can imagine, Jim, they're totally different the way that they the way they operate. Right? The cash yeah. flow pictures are way different. So, so it was really really a good pairing. And I guess the last point 
maybe most importantly is we, we look very intensely at the people, right? You know, who's, who's coming, who's, who comes with an acquisition. We got to make sure that there is lots of synergy, lots of shared vision. Uh, and of course, a good value set that we can all fall back on. So th- that's the way we view it, I think, across those three lenses. So looking at the future, um, what do you see as areas of future expansion? Is it expanding the services you offer, uh, finding new markets for the services you already provide, building a broader set of partners for your technology or, or a combination thereof? Look, we think the total addressable market for the solution that we're building now without expanding its scope is something like $7 trillion. So there's a lot of ground to be gained. And there's a lot of latent um, opportunity that we know we, we, should, we should own because that's how we achieve our mission most quickly. Um, I, think, I think actually, interestingly, what we'll probably see, because we hope and expect that the pace of momentum of transformation within, within large banks is going to increase. So we actually think that there could be a world where, like all software, actually, where many of our services are, are shared in that sense, as opposed to delivered as SaaS or a platform as a service, there are elements that are addressable within other systems, for example, right? Yep. You know, can we provide instant analytics or deal scores or whatever into, into a CRM package, for example, right? Yep. A Salesforce or something like that. I think we're, we, we're, we're very much open to the idea that across the coming years, really, um, you know, being able to plug in in different places in that life cycle could be could be valuable to our customers. So, but the core analytical engine and the power of our data science and the data that we bring to bear uh, w- will still be the, the 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 center of that, the acorn as I described it. Yeah. So, as we look at the big picture, what do you think mm-hmm. is the biggest opportunity in the banking industry today? as we look forward and, and are hopefully getting out of this pandemic stage? Even in light of uh, r- rising interest rates, um, I think the real opportunity is to embrace uh, embrace, embrace, and invest in, in, in customer experience. So for commercial banks, that's, look, there is, we, we know it, the experience is terrible. <laughs> so there's so yeah. much opportunity to really revolutionize your brand, um, you know, re- revolutionize your reputation in the market, particularly with your 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 current, former, and future borrowers. That is the place to focus, right? And technology plays a huge role in this, right? Um, it, but so does mindset, right? It's it's really about, you know, maybe switching from this view that, you know, borrowers come to you and then you're the you're the gatekeeper. You know, make us thinking about how do I get the how do I maximize the chances that I can find a good deal and be the one that they come to for their next deal, right? It's all about I think maybe having a bit more retail mindset, right? Thinking about how do you get your customers, um, you know, through the through the doors, um, and how do you service them quickly, right? Don't make them wait forty days for a no, right? How can you, how can you improve this experience? I guess this is a long way of saying, Jim, that there's just not been a lot of focus around making that experience better, and and I think it's a huge huge opportunity for commercial banks to really stand out. It's interesting because satisfaction surveys and everything indicate we're not doing bad as an industry, but the reality is. If they don't expect much of you, then they give you passes. And, you know, we were talking about it yesterday. Having an account opening process in the retail bank that takes 15 to 20 minutes is unacceptable in anybody's mindset, especially in the digital world. And yet somehow we keep that going. The commercial, the small business areas. I mean, I'm a Mm -hmm. small business and the lack of any proactive thinking on behalf of my financial institution for my wherewithal. It is a major opportunity. And again, yeah. what you have shown and Ork North has shown is 
the power of data analytics is the core of everything. It's mm -hmm. the core of better experiences. It's mm -hmm. the core of profitability. It's the core of focus and the core of, of keeping that challenger mindset. And mm -hmm. if organizations, no matter what kind of business they're in, no matter what kind of markets they serve or where they're located, look at those opportunities and also realize that sometimes it makes sense to partner with an organization that has that mindset that can get you over that hump in, in quick style. You know, I, I, I know yeah. some of your clients in the U.S., and I know that you completely changed their mindset in that segment of the business and actually had other segments of the business in, within those organizations kind of look and go, we need some of that mojo. Right. So, right. you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's rethinking the way you think about banking. I think you're right. I think you're right. I just I didn't want to lose this last point, Jim, because it's an important one. If I was a CIO at a bank, I would I would be thinking about that world of composite, finding the best, deepest special specialist you can find oh, yeah. and plugging them in in the right place, not trying to build the capability in house. Right. That that not every capability, I should say. Focus on what matters to you as a commercial bank. What sense what you you're best at? Because yeah. the problem is. You can't do it at speed. I mean, if I'm in the the, the commercial lending space, I, it's better for me to partner with an Oak North than it is for me to try to build from within or, or with anybody. I also tell people, stop looking for the perfect solution because perfection is the is the opposite of being able to innovate because you're going to take go. too long to do it. You're never going to get there. You know, yeah. And I also use Chase as an example. Chase in the UK, they mm -hmm. partnered to build their mobile banking platform there. Why? Because to build themselves would have taken too long. And 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 speed and and getting to market quickly is the key right now. And I, I think you're right. It, that we have to look and say, if we, I'm the CIO, if I'm the retail banking exec, whatever it is, who can I partner with to get this out in the marketplace? Not in 2022, but by second quarter, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And partner is the word as well. I think that's also a feature of I think fintechs generally do a better job than traditional enterprise software companies uh, because we know that you said it. There is no perfect solution, but you can you can try to achieve perfection as a partner, right? Knowing that every, every there most banks are in some sort of a transformation. Every every need every bank has a slightly different set of needs, and and partnering is really important. How can we make sure that we're successful, right? In in implementing in, in our case our our software. With each and every client, right? We'd like to try to think about ourselves as long-term partners. It's it's a really really key key feature. Whereas, you know, it, you know, large larger enterprise software companies don't don't have that view. Jackson, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. It, it's been a while that uh, we've been trying to get you, and and it's interesting because it again shows that we've got to go for for us in the North American area, have to go beyond our borders to see some of these really great success stories that are out there, and then see how it can fit in the in not a neo bank model but in a traditional bank model so again appreciate your time today and hope everything's going well thanks jim appreciate it thanks thanks for listening to banking transform raise a top five banking podcast and winner of three international awards for podcast excellence if you enjoy what we're doing please take some time to give us some love in the form of a review Finally, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and the research we're doing for the Digital Bank Report. This has been the production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Roll Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember, your focus is unlimited. The irony is that real power comes from how you narrow it.
you've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.